And welcome back to the Podmore Get Better podcast. Today is Sunday, September 23rd, 2018. Uh, pretty exciting week lined up for us here, Tony. Yes, it's it's uh, it's Christmas week. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll be waking up early, uh, running down the stairs tomorrow morning, <laughs> waking up my parents and asking if I can start opening, opening presents. <laughs> yeah, new presents, new courses. Yeah, so uh, we'll talk about the new courses a little bit uh, later on, but uh, yeah, we got... Uh, New courses coming this week. Hopefully, uh, well, Incredible Technologies is shipping them tomorrow. Hopefully your vendor got them overnighted, uh, and you will have them installed on Tuesday. Yeah, mid-Tuesday. Hopefully uh, everyone has a mid-Tuesday. Otherwise, uh, you might be uh, waiting for uh, later in the week on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, We've gotten a chance to play the pre-release. We've kind of covered that before. Uh, I like the courses a lot. I think they're going to be really fun. I do, too. I think there's a good mix. There's there's a couple difficult uh, courses. There's a... A very scorable course and there's a couple easier courses and I think that uh, that's a good mix it seems like a mix that we had this year as well Um, and so uh, yeah I think uh, I enjoy them and we're still getting used to them I've probably played them 12 to 15 times each kind of in that range Uh, they're filling at about like one or two per day so I'm I'm uh, I'm playing them at about that rate Good deal, good deal. Uh, we're just going to touch on some news here briefly. Uh, upcoming tournaments, we cover on most podcasts. We're going to continue with that trend. Uh, this weekend is the Pacific Northwest yeah. Open. I, I miss- hope you didn't go to Seattle last weekend, <laughs> assuming uh, I, we were going to be playing a tournament. I, I misspoke on that. So uh, the Pacific Northwest Open, uh, hosted by Mike Arrington, his vending company, uh, is currently going on. Next weekend, we have the Wisconsin, the uh, official... After the courses are released, the kickoff uh, event. We'll yeah, call kickoff it. event. I like that. That's a good one. I believe it's the first annual, which is kind of a, an odd, uh, odd name, but <laughs> we'll, we'll roll with that. And then we have Club Lucky tournament, uh, vendor specific. If you were lucky enough to be a part of the vendor promotion, that is part of the conglomerate of Club Lucky. Uh, that is October twelfth through fourteenth over in Madison, Wisconsin. Followed up lastly by a tournament Tony will be attending. Out in Richmond. Yes, so uh, I'm officially booked. Got my flight. Got my hotel. Al Jazz is happy for that. We we got our we got our housing figured out. With uh, a pool. Uh, there is a pool there. Woo! Uh, but it's party like at a, Tony's. It's it's a uh, it's a uh, apartment complex pool. We got a VRBO or oh, Airbnb. Gotcha. And uh, so uh, Al Jazz and I will be there. It sounds like uh, Wes from Minnesota will be there. Um, I'm not sure if there's any other Minnesota guys going, but it's a tournament that I've said, you know, I've only been able to go to once. I've been trying to get back for a while, made it work this year, Uh, so we're excited for that. That is October 4th through the 7th. 4th through the 7th. Uh, So uh, Al Jazz and I will be getting there kind of midday Friday and flying out that Monday morning. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of not uh, not flying out or departing attorney on Sunday. Obviously, you've had alcohol intake. You don't know if you've you know done well and are playing late in the afternoon or if you've gone 0-2 and sitting there. Uh, during football season, it's nice because if you do go 0-2 or have a bad showing, you've got an opportunity to obviously play money games. I'm super used to games. that in Houston. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm used to watching football all day on Sunday in Houston. So, it's Sunday right now. Uh, we're recording this Sunday morning. Yep. Uh, so, we can watch the football game. The yes. uh, 1 and 0 oh and 1 Minnesota Vikings. Undefeated. Yeah. And as Tony mentioned earlier, tomorrow's ship day. Uh, so, if you're newer to the game, what does that typically entail here? So, we know the new courses are coming. We've been given some exposure from incredible technologies about new additions this year, new functionality, new features. 
but some of this like real-time rivals and events modes i'm still a little murky on because they haven't fully released everything yeah i i uh, i think we'll kind of learn along with you a little bit um it seems like every year they changed up the menus just to mess with us a little bit we get su super used to going you know one click to the right to do prize play and then one click to the right to do yep. money shot or whatever but now it's like they they've eliminated a couple of uh play options and so the menus have changed a little bit not quite as major of a change as last year uh but yeah i think we'll uh we'll kind of explore it along with you i know that i saw um one of the guys in uh wisconsin washington posted a video or uh results from playing john daly he played john oh. daly last night or the day before uh and uh, john daly shot minus 32 on uh, on uh, Sandy. Sandy Reef, yeah, Sandy I think Reef. they said two hole-in-ones, two double eagles or something. <laughs> so bring your A-game to play John Daly, I guess. Yeah, Holy that's, smokes. That, that, that's going to be interesting. I, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and uh, They said later in the fall with this events mode, they're going to have the capabilities like we previously talked about of going onto a course, setting up a specific tee box, a specific wind, a specific pin placement. Uh, I think that's going to be really cool. They haven't really released what type of prizes are going to pay out it sounds like they're going to be week-long contests but i think this will be a cool addition to the game not to say that they haven't already figured it out but i think they're still kind of they're still kind of figuring out exactly what they're going to do with it this mm -hmm. is like a new toy for them and so they, they've kind of thrown out all of the things that they can do yeah because they can lock in wins they can raise the wins they can get rid of the wind they can use specific tee boxes it can be a daily contest a weekly contest a, a prize play contest so basically, they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. And I, so I think, that given the constraints of doing whatever the hell they want, they're still kind of <laughs> dialing in on what they actually want to do. Yeah. So that'll be really interesting because I, I think there's obviously if you can once you can do whatever the hell you want, uh, endless possibilities. Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd love to sit in a room with Don and some of the other guys from IT and just have a big whiteboard up there where we could just kind of map it out week yeah. by week. Yeah. I mean, we could draft any ideas of what we'd like to do. I, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh, for events mode and you know the years going forward so as we look at that uh some of the things we're going to kind of wrap up here you know speaking of don and the folks at it uh we'd done last week it had been kind enough to forward on some data concerning gameplay club sets course numbers course played um, percentages and so forth so tony's going to kind of break this down in terms of what they've provided us uh, i think uh hint to don we may uh, be requesting some more information uh from folks who have talked to us from the previous podcast uh coming up with some great ideas and then some our ideas of our own that i think uh the folks would like to hear yeah i think uh this is this will be kind of wait week two of the of the information that don provided and i think we've probably got one more week worth of worth of talkers here uh, but uh, this week we're going to talk about first we're going to talk about the play types and so this is again this is only commercial units so you know units in public locations not not home edition and it's the the each type of uh, game that's swiped in so as an example the most played type of game is 18 hole casual and at 29% essentially uh, very close behind it is live prize play so I think that's that's one of the first of all that's one of the most interesting things that actually casual play gets played more than prize play overall not by a ton live play was twenty six percent or so um, and so th so that those two alone make up more than half from there you uh, next up is another casual meth, uh, way is closest to the pin casual at seven and a half percent followed by hole by hole so more casual so actually if you include 
all of the casual play, if you add that up quick, uh, you're at 44%. So 44% of the games played are straight up casual play. People not swiping in, not using a card, not tracking their stats going forward. Yep. And then uh, from there, uh, next behind that is Money Shot at 7%. 18-hole Glory at about 7%. Daily Contest at 6.5%. 18 hole stats at 5%, closest to the pin prize play at 3%. So we've talked about, or, or IT has talked about, and we've talked about it on this podcast, that that's one of the things that we wouldn't be surprised to see go away. Over the, over time, they've, they've dialed it back. They're, they started feeling very slow, especially with Money Shot coming along, whatever, a year or two ago. Um, people played a lot less close to the pin. And so they ended up uh, changing it from 50-person contests to 35-person contests. Um, and based on prize play, or based on the number of, or the percentage of play of closest to the pin, we wouldn't be surprised, I wouldn't be, to see that start to get even more phased out than it Yeah, is I, I think that'll fade into the sunset looking at the numbers. Um, as to your point, I, I don't play closest to the pin much anymore. It's all transition to money shot for the most part, unless I'm... You know, have a couple minutes, and I'm waiting for someone to arrive at the bar or whatnot. Um, but yeah, that, that's a really interesting number. So I, I think within the next year or two, you you think that closest pin would disappear is uh, the money shot. Obviously, that that prize pool um, is much bigger in, in my mind. You know, you, you yeah, have yeah. a chance to win a couple hundred bucks if you hit a great shot, as opposed to money shot with 35 people, seven other people hit it. All of a sudden, you're you know two dollar closest to the pin game you got five dollars back that's not terribly exciting that's not terribly enticing to me people don't play slot machines to get, get to win their money back yeah people <laughs> play, play slot machines for the jackpot Agreed. and that's what that's Agreed. what money shot is it's yeah the, it's the hey and incredible technologies what do they make slot machines yeah right that's another uh, aspect of what they do um finally closing out the the final one just at a mere half percent Closest to the pin live, so it's glory play essentially. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't. Either. I am. I have not contributed to that 054 <laughs> percent. Um, uh, so that's the different play types. Uh, so, so Tony, just to speculate here, we we talked about play types and we talked about something in the past. Um, I'm hoping they bring it back. I think you are as well, and other people have asked for it. Uh, the driving range. I, I don't want to speculate where the number would be at, but I know that compared to a uh, casual play closest to the pin, which I would never play, the driving range, I think that would be fun if you could select your course, your hole, and kind of fast forward to that and kind of hone your gameplay or hone, hone in holes that you're having trouble with. So I've got, I've got a few things to talk about there. I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate, Okay. first of all. I think a lot of people you included, and myself somewhat included, uh, use Money Shot as their warm-up driving range. Yep, correct. So that's driving g- gameplay on Money Shot. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, don't use, I don't use it because I'm trying to dial in specific shots. I'm just trying to warm up my thumbs or you know, just kind of get rolling. So I'm not jumping straight into prize play. Yeah, that's the first thing I play when I typically go out and fire up a game. Uh, I don't fire up a prize play game right away. It, I, I go to Money Shot. I can test my thumbs, test my palms. It's the same hole, fairly repetitive, uh, but you got a chance to win big money again. And I think if, if they were to bring back the uh, driving range and or putting green, so you, uh, back in the day you, you had the driving range, you could practice your chipping or you could practice your putting. I think it would be way more interesting if you could do practice holes, 
Yeah, and that's kind of what I was mentioning. Yeah. Like, if, you, if you're struggling on Mayfield 18, um, you could click up driving range or practice range, practice hole, whatever you'd like to call it. Click on the course Mayfield, which hole do you want to play? Boom, go to 18. I'm struggling with it. Cost you 50 cents or whatever. Yeah, yeah. bucket of balls, you know, 20 balls for a buck or two bucks or whatnot. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of who would play that the most. It depends a little bit on the on the setup. I think if you could play specific holes, there, there would be, certainly be holes I can think of this year that would be hugely beneficial, early, especially early on in the year, to say, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to play this hole 10 times just to try to figure out what's possible on this hole. You know, can my zero hybrid get under these trees? Can my six wood get over these trees? I'll do that. And, and picking your tee boxes, too. I think that would be an important thing because you could do that on the old driving range, too. You could kind of cycle through what tee box Correct. you wanted. That's a good point. And then uh, hit the guy in the lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you run out of your last golf ball. You might as well just hit the guy in the lawnmower. So each, each hole would then need a lawnmower. Yeah. Oh, well, all right. what is it? Rattlesnake 14, 15, whatever. Yeah, I actually got under that one time. Have you ever been under it? <laughs> no, but I've hit it and it fires up and. No, I was legitimately under it. And so I had to like do a little three turner bud. Oh, really? <laughs> Try to play a, a big C3 back onto the green. I didn't, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so that is a prize play type that Will and I agree we would like to see come back. Um, Next two things we want to talk about are the type of golf balls that are purchased as well as the type of golf clubs. Now this is, this contains no app data. So whatever was purchased on GT Caddy is not in here. This is purchases on a machine. Mm -hmm. And so I think uh, a lot of us, especially the ones that are listening to this podcast, use a build a bag and or build a ball. And potentially auto refill. And so, as an example, I use a build a ball. I have different build a balls, but right now, my biggest build a ball is Grabbers. And so, the fact that Grabbers is number one on this list, I haven't contributed that to that at all, right? The, the build a ball being based on a Grabber, it doesn't contribute to this list. Uh, so, starting with golf balls, like I said, Grabber is the, is the highest percentage at uh, about uh, 28%, 29%, followed by Barrage. At seventeen percent, razor, yeah, razoids, Will's ball, save the razoids. Stouts at ten percent, get rid of that wind. Settlers at eight point six percent. Maniacs, eight point four. I don't think I know anybody that plays Maniacs, but it's a fun name, I guess. Uh, Then the biggest surprise for me was coming in at seventh place is streaks. Hmm. Now. Uh, I think a lot a lot of us play streaks on occasion on certain courses or or you know some people play them across the board whenever they can, uh, as I probably will be for the in the short term on the 2019 courses. But I was surprised to see it in seventh place. Uh, streaks are followed by orbits at 2.7 percent, vanguards at 1.9. So I got a bone to pick with it here. Mm-hmm. Vanguards. I like the vanguards because they are the ball that can allow me to do the longest putt ever. Right, so I think I, I I probably have the longest putt in Golden Tee history. I think it's 235 feet, <laughs> and and that's because the vanguards, unlike a, a normal ball, even streaks, streaks probably max out at about a 140 foot putt. Vanguards don't. That that's their only redeeming quality, though, is that they they'll max out at about 235 feet. So I did it on. Um, it happened to be a down like a down three green, and so I got a little bit extra distance. So it's 235 feet. Uh, but 
so two things. One, in every other way, those those balls are useless. So, like, you get on a down <laughs> ten green, and it literally, it's like it's frictionless. It just rolls down the green. It's like so an it's ice un- rink. Yeah, it's unplayable. And also, they haven't set it up. First of all, they weren't even available in casual play on my home machine. Uh, second of all, if I play them in a round, then they don't default back to the vanguards my next round. Interesting. So it's like their programming is broken for the new balls. So whatever new balls come out this uh, in two days, right, uh, they haven't talked about those at all. I was hoping we'd hear a little bit and we could talk about them today. Maybe we'll talk about them next week. Uh, please do a little bit better programming is in regard to those balls. Uh, otherwise, you know, if you want to try to chase down my long putt record, uh, Vanguards, uh, you can you can add to that 1.9% that have bought Vanguards. I'm probably half of that percent. No, yeah. actually, I've, I've always just used them on my home edition. Yeah, if you make that long putt and you uh, break Tony Johnson's record, obviously uh, send us a link on a YouTube. Uh, yeah. look, before you tee off on the next hole, hit send last shot to YouTube. We'd love to see that. That's yeah. That's a huge putt. Uh, then next, uh, followed by others at 1.6%, so a variety of other golf ball options. Uh, next up is the golf clubs that have been uh, purchased. Uh, no surprise here. The surprise for me here is that it's actually this l- relatively low of a percentage, the Champ 18. So it's the, the bag that Mark Stenmark uh, built and used for when he won the World Championships in 2017. That's at 19%. I actually would expect that to be a little bit higher. Uh, next up is Thor. They, I don't they, even I don't even know what's in that bag. Yeah. So so did they let Chris Thorbrager create a set? How, yeah. How did he doesn't want any world so, championships. So we got yeah, Stenmark at twenty nine percent and the uh, Chris Thorbrager Thor set at eleven. And then uh, we'll get to this in a second. So next up is the players eighteen. Fourth is Ripper. Did Skipper did Skipper make a set they're, too? They're just giving out sets. To is everyone. there a whammy set that I don't know about? Oh, we missed a it. A Jesus set. Oh, we we missed. Maybe out. we get to build one. Yeah. If this if this podcast became popular enough, and we could and they could prove that we were driving business, do you think they'd let us build a bag? Yeah. The, and name it whatever we want. Yeah. The whammy. No, the PMGB set. Podmore get better. I set. want whammy. You want whammy? No, we built. We both build one. Okay. Or maybe we have to. You build one. I build one, and then we build one together. Deal. I think we will probably get another green. Don, we'll uh, send you an email about that with our uh, selections here. Uh, then after the Ripper, so uh, Thor was 11 per, uh, 11%, Players 18 was 10%, Ripper is 8%, I'm not going to list the percentages of the rest of these, Flare, Detonator, Rebel, Equalizer, Inciter, Vulture. Yeah, kind of, oh. the, the, the Vulture, kind of surprised to see that down low, I know uh, folks used to play that a lot back in the day. Yeah, and actually when I, when, uh, when you know on on Facebook or something, when somebody posts about oh what club set should I use, you know I think most of us at this point say you should build a bag. But yeah. if if you're not going to build a bag and you're going to use one of the stock sets, I think that vultures is probably vultures and flares are the two that I would recommend the most. Agreed. Um, Ballista is right below vulture. Hightail, surge, and hawk. Hawk. I love hawks. Yeah. Uh, people have just gotten used to those. High- Hawks was great because it's all the hybrids. Two hybrid, three hybrid, four hybrid, five hybrid. And, but no, like, eight wood or anything, and I think that scares people out. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's the whole out set. Yeah. Yeah, if you want more, it's the uh, uh, sparkling water set. Ooh. Just these long 200-yard approach shots, rolling them in there with the, uh, with the uh, hybrids. Yeah, so, pinning in the back, sending in little missiles. So those are, that's what we'll talk about this week. Next week we're going to talk about the top-selling apparel. Ooh. As well as the uh, most popular classic courses of the week. 
So we're hoping to get a little bit more data. We've got a little bit of data on that, hoping to get just a little bit more from Don this week. Once uh, today is the final day of Classic Course of the Week, uh, there is not technically a Classic Course of the Week this coming week. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sad to see uh, the Classic Course of the Week go. I, I don't have the final number, but we, we think it was around 20 Classic Courses of the Week. Uh, you know, with ship date being this week, you know, this week, I, I'm kind of sad to see the Classic Course of the Week go. But... I would, you know, I think technically speaking, we do have Classic Course of the Week this week. Really? Yes. Did I miss that email? Uh, and it's actually a special week. There's seven Classic Courses of the Week this week. Really? Playable, we for, playable for prize play, not just this week, but going forward. They are uh, Safari, Calypso, Mayfield, Rhineland, Ooh. Royal Dubai, Rattlesnake, and Mystic Hills. Those... In, in 48 hours, those are officially classic courses of the, wow. of the month, actually. Classic course of the month. Uh, you can play them for prizes for the next month or so. Their IT always allows people to kind of get some time to update uh, before they turn off the prize play on the old courses. So, uh, yes, there are seven classic courses of the week starting. Uh, well, you can play them today. Yeah. I mean, feel free. Get, get, get a preview. Yeah, you, you're, practice up. Your brain, your brain is functioning light years ahead of mine in regards to classic course of the week. Um, as we start, you know, transitioning into Beals Creek and Pembroke Clinks and Catedreus. I'm I'm actually shocked that I was able to name all seven courses there because, <laughs> like I said, once these new courses hit, I'm done. Yeah, like we're, that, we're that information forget. is gone from my brain. Uh, I, I'm all about the new courses, and I can I'm I could name all those, and I'm I'm actually a little bit I was a little nervous having to name all seven. Of them. <laughs> I thought I dropped the ball on it. Uh, next up, we're gonna transition over to the Player of the Year awards. Oh. Uh, we got some things going on. First annual, yeah, first <laughs> annual, just like the Wisconsin tournament, the uh, the cla- the kickoff courses. Um, so with the Player of the Year awards, uh, we got a couple category suggestions from listeners about uh, things they've seen over the course of the last year um, with these 2018 courses. And so we're going to give a breakdown and a little bit of reasoning behind the uh, committee members' uh, selection of the winners here. So first up, most improved Golden Tee Player of the Year, we have Seth Sandifer. Uh, making a huge run coming in fourth at Worlds. Uh, Most people might know him as a mystic specialist, but to plow through a field at Worlds, if 64 people make a top four run, and I think one of his two losses was actually on Mystic. Uh, So great run by Seth at Worlds. And I'd like to give a honorable mention to Jared Decker, who I've seen pick up his game a ton over the last year. Doesn't have the big finish like Seth had, which I think pushed him to the top here. Uh, but I would not be surprised at all if next year, at this time, we're talking about Jared Decker having made a couple deep runs at some tournaments. Next up, we have Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, biggest comeback we saw this year uh, actually happened at the year-end tournament in Houston with Andy Fox missing the main cut in the Houston tournament. Um, probably a little bit down in the doldrums, but the beauty of the Houston tournament is there's actually two tournaments in one. So Three. Three. I think. Because I know where you're going with this, but he got out of his doldrums by winning the purple bracket. Yes, correct. Yes. So that got him on his way to redemption. And then... Confidence. He bulldozes the purple bracket, and for the Player of the Year ending award, goes on to win the Player of the Year Top Gun tournament put on by Power Events. Um, So he took down the Top Gun after missing the cut winning the purple bracket, and just ended up bulldozing. So, hey, butterfly effect, if he wouldn't have missed the cut, 
probably wasn't a one player of the year. That, that's a great point. Uh, definitely had to refocus. I don't know if there was alcohol involved or a lack of alcohol, but uh, definitely a heck of a run. One or the other. <laughs> yeah. So, new player of the year award. Uh, someone that has just popped up on the radar the last uh, year. Months. Yeah. Like months, really. Yeah, yeah. is uh, Jordan Scott. Jordan Scott takes home the award for new player of the year. Uh, you could see how excited he was uh, getting a new machine, whether uh, it actually arrived and you saw the arrival pictures. Jordan, congratulations. I know uh, Mouth and some of the other guys at the tournament uh, posted that announcement. I wasn't at that tournament, but it was a really cool video to uh, hear our community reaching out and helping out to you on a game you love so much. Uh, just some stats on Jordan. Jordan's best round year to date right now is a 28 under. Um, his average score is a negative eleven point six six, which I'm sure you know has Once some you get of his. Home edition, you know, that'll start. Oh yeah, that that'll up. start jumping out. Uh, you've probably seen him sending you some invites or messages on Facebook. Uh, he also has forty four hole in wins, hole in ones this year. So forty one hole in ones this nice. year. And last but not least, Jordan has a four hundred twenty seven yard drive. Just forty oh. yards short of He's Paul. Ninety percent of the way to Paul Luna. That that that's incredible. We, are, we could all be so lucky to be 90% of Paul Luna. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. So congratulations, Jordan Scott, on New Player of the Year Award for the Podmore Get Better podcast. Uh, next up, People's Choice Award. Uh, this was a little bit of a, a stunner to the committee. Uh, I can't say I disagree. I can't say I agree 100%. But Mark McClevich, the mouth, uh, talking to people in the community, uh, listening to the respondents, uh, on the selection committee, and then some input from the players who have been to national tournaments, whether it was their first or second tournament ever, uh, the resounding consensus was that Mark McClevich was the player's choice. Yeah, I think he's the one that, uh, he's the player that a lot of people know most by name. If it's and, not a world, And, and it, from hearing him yell across the room. Yeah, yeah, uh, he does some of that. So he can be a little uh, divisive, you know, in terms of, you know, opinions. But uh, I think uh, in terms of, you know, he's always willing to play with new players. Uh, new players certainly appreciate that. Um, and uh, I think he's the best, no one of the best known, certainly. You know, he, he doesn't have a world championship like uh, Meow or, or uh, Stenmark do, but uh, of the non-world champions, he's probably the most popular. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the mouth really reaches out to those new folks. He wants to continue to grow this game. He sees folks coming out and... Uh, I, I think he's one of the better ones as well to actually go approach these people and go up to them. He introduces himself as Mark the Mouth McClevich. They introduce themselves, let the mouth know, hey, this is my first or second turn. And mouth says, hey, let's fire up the game. I, I think that's a great thing. So shout out to the mouth. Uh, shot of the year. Uh, we're we're going to do a little drum roll here uh, because unfortunately this personally affects you, Mr. Tony Johnson. Uh, I, I, was, I was happy to be involved, but it was personally devastating <laughs> so the uh shot of the year the single greatest shot of the year this wasn't a 12 ricochet you know bounce off a of safari dunes uh this was streamed live this was on the world's biggest stage and coincidentally for the final spot in the worlds this award goes to dave sandmeyer very well deserved uh perhaps the most viewed shot of the year uh you know, I like I said, I was I was happy to be a part of it. I was I was rooting for him because I knew that it was going to get him to, into the world championships if he did it. Ultimately, I you know I, I want to win, right? I wanted yeah. to win that match, but I was I was happy to have it end that way. Uh, ninth hole of our closest to the pin match got him into the world championships. He stuffed it to three feet or whatever it was. So congrats on the shot of the year, well deserved, Dave. Awesome, congratulations, Dave. 
Uh, two more awards. Next up, we have the Ambassador of the Year Award. Uh, undoubtedly, this was a consensus selection here, Richard King. Uh, he, he basically shows up to each and every Power Events Golden Tee Tournament Tour event, and he also shows up to a lot that aren't put on by PEGT. Whether it's this week's Pacific Northwest Open, he's flying across the country with the Richard King Travel Agency. Uh, obviously, as the owner, he uh, gets rock-bottom prices. But he's going to a lot of these tournaments that aren't that well-known, where it's smaller entry fees, but he's trying to grow the game. And with his streams that he puts out with Golden Tee TV, and just putting up so many videos, and getting getting a sense to these newer players what a tournament is like uh, i just want to say congratulations to richard king i, I can't even fathom yeah i how... think that uh you know we're pretty plugged in in the golden tee world uh not i would say not as plugged as he plugged in as he is because uh i've seen him go to tournaments i've never even heard of before. agreed agreed like, what there's a there's a you know fredericksburg virginia tournament this weekend what's going on there uh so definitely well deserved for richard king honorable mention uh, you mentioned uh, the PEGT tournaments. Uh, certainly, honorable mention for Ambassador would go to the PEGT, the Power Events uh, crew as a whole. Right? Yeah, so we're talking Steve Sobel, Russ Layton, and Paige Gossett. Just yep. the amount of time, the effort. I know they get some help from Dan Weiss, you know, loading the machines, getting these things set up, typically on a Thursday, uh, which means they're taking their own personal time from their standard jobs. These these folks aren't bangers. You know, we can't, uh, can't all be Evan Gossett and Andy Haas. So the, these folks are taking time away from their family, their friends, uh, setting up these wonderful tournaments that they put on. So shout out to them as well. And finally, we're going to get to uh, Player of the Year. Uh, Player of the Year. Are you ready? Yes. Tony's ready. I'm ready. I'll open this envelope. Evan Gossett. Evan Gossett takes down Player of the Year. Uh, Evan had a pretty strong year. Uh, probably, we talked about this on the World Championship Preview Podcast. He ended up winning Worlds, obviously, taking first place at Worlds. And he had a little bit of a letdown. We're going to cover that briefly. Uh, but he really pulled it through on the world's biggest stage. And I, I remember at, you know, when we were doing our Worlds Preview, we covered a lot of the top players last calendar year. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of that so it would have been kind of early 2017 in the middle of 2017 he had some he had a rough patch in terms of you know two oh, two and out you know oh and two mm -hmm. at some tournaments you know uh 18 to 24 at a you know at a tournament and and these aren't the results that he was expecting but we noticed in our preview that he had he had really picked that up and you could see the results picking up and of course that ended uh ended up great for him as a uh world champion this yeah year. his uh his face and body are in the game. Uh, coming up for 2019, Evan, Evan's accomplishments over the course of last year, uh, I'm envious. I know I've gone to a decent amount of tournaments. I've been playing a long time. Uh, I've, I've had a couple uh, decent runs, but nothing to the extent that Evan has. So obviously, Evan took first at the World Championships out in Las Vegas. Uh, Cincinnati, seventh and eighth place. Uh, obviously, people get outed in a double elimination bracket at the same time. Took first on his home turf in St. Louis. 4th in Wisconsin, Florida, 17th, uh, the Houston tournament, 4th place, and then the Top Gun, 4th place. So That's you're a lot of top fours. Yeah, you're, you're talking, you know, playing the best of the best, and then ultimately the World Championship. That's that's uh, it, that, that's a huge accomplishment. So congratulations to Evan Gossett. And not, I mean, it's not necessarily an accomplishment per se, but but you can see that he goes to a lot of tournaments. Mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, that's 
you know, to be talked about a lot as well. You know, there aren't a lot of people that go to as many tournaments, other than Richard King, yeah. <laughs> that go to as many tournaments as, as Evan does. Yeah, um, I think the, the only tournament that he missed in the last calendar year, uh, last 365 days, was the Richmond tournament. Yeah, and I think that, you know, with the Richmond tournament coming up, I think uh, at least this year, and I'm sure it was similar last year, we've got the TOC the weekend after. Uh, and I think a lot of the top guys are, are aiming at that tournament and conversely don't go to the Richmond tournament. So I, I assume that's kind of what happened last year. Because, again, he seems to make it, Evan seems to make it to almost every PEGT event. And so uh, that had to be the reason. I, I know he was at the TOC. I, I don't know what the results were, but um, I'm sure that's why you missed Richmond. Yeah, so next up uh, we typically do Are You Smarter Than A. Fox? Are You Smarter Than Andy Fox? But I think before we do that we should get to our sponsor. Well, that's the thing I was leading into oh, with with Andy Fox actually going 4-1 and one in the first two weeks. Uh, we had the two Sunday night games the first week, a Monday night game for three games in the first week. Uh, two games last week. Andy Fox currently stands on the season at 4-1, and one, and we have a sponsor who wants to get on board. Uh, we were fortunate enough to not just get an email, but we also got a phone call. Uh, here in the lovely city of Burnsville, Minnesota, we have a new sponsor. Local sponsor. Local sponsor. It sounds like they're expanding nationwide. Uh, we have the Todd Penikoff Fertility Clinic. Uh, Todd Penikoff Fertility Clinic here in Burnsville, Minnesota. I'm 40 Local years, successes guaranteed. Yeah, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I don't have any children. And coincidentally, I've never been to the Todd Penikoff Fertility Clinic. Uh, I'm 40 years old as well. Uh, I have two children. Uh, I assume that if I wanted more, which I don't, uh, that that this would be the place to go to. I would for, I would make sure that I get to the TPFC uh, in order to make sure to have more children. Yeah, we, we have, uh, obviously we're trying to grow this Golden Tee game, but you look at a lot of the top players, there are players who have been in the game for a while. A lot of these names you've seen for years and years. So if you're someone in your mid-40s and you're looking to have a kid, Todd Penikoff Fertility Clinic is the one to go to. I mean, and he's not only the founder, he's also a member. Uh, congratulations to Todd and Allison. They actually just had a kid. Goodness Beautiful kid. Uh, yeah. And, and you, know that, you know who that kid looks like? Todd Penikoff to a darn T. Ooh. That, that kid looks like Todd. It came out, came out of the womb looking like Todd Penikoff. Yeah. That, and that, that could have been due to some uh, the boost of the TPFC. Yeah, so if you're looking to get your skeet skeet on and have a have a child as a result uh flapped burnsville minnesota you can hang out with the minnesota guys um we got the todd Penikoff fertility clinic yeah, here in minnesota you know, make a weekend of it right mm-hmm. stop in at the tpfc uh and then come to the banger bunker and hang out with us you know this procedure at the tpfc is non-invasive so you're going to be able to go straight from that's great fer- fertilization to banging oh what a transition. no pun intended oh what a transition right there so uh uh, we talked about last week, uh, or a couple weeks now, we've been talking about the mailbag. Uh, yeah. And, uh, spoiler alert, we might have made a couple of those emails up. Uh, no. Yeah. I, did, yes. did you send that into the podcast, Tony? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> oh, I goodness. snuck it. I, I used a, a uh, ghost account. Is that, is, 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 is that why our uh, balance sheet looks a little off, all those stamps you used to send them in? Yeah, I think that was it. Uh but we actually got some actual questions this week, so we want to talk about them. legit people. Uh, so th- the mail reads: I have a question. Do you guys ever use the height meter? 
When 2018 came out, I remember thinking it'd be useful, but the other day I just re-realized it was there and I'd forgotten about it for the past year. Thanks to Mike C for that email. Uh, to answer your question, no, I don't use it that much. Um, and I, just like Mike C, I thought it would be a useful tool, but I haven't used it that much. I've played around with it a little bit on Home Edition uh, just to see how tall things are, but I can't say I've really done anything with that information. Um, I think they could make this feature a lot more interesting Agreed. with one change. So I think, I think knowing the maximum height that your ball reached is interesting, and that's what it's displaying right now. So it maxed out at 125 feet. Okay. And now we pair that with this, the speed meter, and that's interesting as well. But I think most interesting would be the current elevation in relation to your ball. Right? So then that helps us determine the, the, the overall elevation of a shot. Right? So I can, I can know if overall the shot is 30 feet uphill or 20 feet downhill. Because at the end, you know, it starts at zero and then I hit it and it ends up at negative 20 or positive 30 or whatever that is. I think that information would be really helpful. And I think as, as real golfers get used to using the, the uh, lasers I, yep. and, and the lasers are getting more and for, more sophisticated, that type of information is available from those lasers and I think is information that uh, IT should start including in the game. Yeah, I because think that's... they're trying to make it a lot more like real golf PGA Tour, that sort of stuff. Yeah, so so my point to Mike C's question uh, and kind of piggybacking on Tony's answer is that I never use the height meter. I, I think the first couple times playing, uh, I used it, I looked at it, I, I thought that was really interesting, but then you get to some holes. We, we talk a lot about using an, you know, seven wood, eight wood, nine wood, and I think the height meter would be a great use for folks and something to help improve their game but if you don't know how far that stand of trees is or that grove of trees and also know their height um, it takes some playing around with you know you still have to figure out without using the height meter if you can get over it or not it's not just going to default to well I know this club can get up to 140 feet and that grove of trees is only 120 this will clear it no problem uh, but to IT's point that probably helps drive gameplay Someone says, gosh, last time I couldn't get over it with a 6-iron. I'm going to try a high-T 7-iron next time. And I think ultimately, you know, we're, we're, we as uh, people that play a lot are talking about this feature and I th how it would be beneficial to us. But ultimately, we play this game enough that we figure it out. Like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. th this hole is playing downhill. This hole is playing uphill. Uh, some of them you can kind of tell visually, others you can't. But the people that don't play as much don't get nearly as many opportunities to figure it out. So it would be a... Ultimately, I think it would be a feature that would benefit um, the everyday golden tea, or the, the, the once a week golden tea player much more than the 20 games a day golden tea player. Yeah, and I agree. And, and with the introduction midway through the year of the new tea boxes, much less having the original tea boxes that come out, yeah. uh, I think players will look at the overall, an overall hole and see that oh my gosh, yeah, last time I got over this with a five wood, well, if they're in a closer tee box and they don't notice that, this yeah. time it might not get over with a five wood. So with the variation of all these tee boxes, the introduction of new tee boxes, which I think is a great feature to give variety, um, I think the casual players may look at that in slight frustration, thinking, gosh, this got over that set of trees or this rock um, on Safari Dunes, but this time they end up failing as opposed to last time where they succeeded. Yep, absolutely. 
moving on, question number two uh, from the mailbag this week. Uh, I have a question for you guys that came up last night while playing Catadreas. Ooh. Ooh! So this person is has a has a uh, pre-release pre-release machine near them. I think that things like canyons, train tunnels, rock walls, etc., kind of quote unquote block the wind. Others I've mentioned this to disagree with me, even after they've hit a shot and just bitched about the wind not taking it like it should have, <laughs> quote unquote. Uh, where do you guys stand on this? Uh, thank you to M Chestnut for sending this in. Um, I stand. I I I uh, I would put it plainly. I do not believe that there is such thing as blocking the wind. Be it a tunnel, be it a cliff. Uh, Certainly the wind affects shots that are downhill. Elevation more. changes. Elevation changes. Agreed. <clears throat> and certainly elevate you know, when uh, shots that are uphill, it affects it less. And taking it to a slightly higher level, uh, ultimately I think what affects how much the wind is affecting the ball is how high above the ground it is at that moment. Right? So if I if it, think of the the flight of a seven iron. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty high trajectory up and over. If you could create a hill that was exactly that tra- that height trajectory, and so it was exactly one foot above that hill that whole time, I think the wind would barely affect that at all. Even though the height of that seven iron actually got to whatever is 110 feet, but I think it has to do with how high above the ground the ball is. So if you're going over a deep canyon, for example or a river or something, then for that stretch of the shot, the ball is actually affected more by the wind. Interesting. Now, I haven't gotten into depth discussions with other uh, you know, bangers or jobbers about this. That's my personal opinion. Um, and every, every, I haven't seen it disproven. It's a, kind of a tough thing to disprove. But ultimately, I don't believe that the wind is ever blocked by an object, be it trees or a tunnel or a, or a cliff. Yeah, on the initial surface of that question, I will agree with you. I'm always going to play the wind whether I'm going through a canyon or through a train tunnel. But on the flip side of that, to your point, that's an interesting theory you've never shared with me and I've never heard. So you can look at Celtic Shores number 17, which is often very downhill. And if you're hitting a two hybrid or a five wood or a three wood into that green, I think your initial shot takes off and it's very online, even with a crosswind. And you'll notice the further it gets in the shot, the more it goes downhill is where it starts tailing off and hitting the wind yeah. much more. I think on that initial shot, as you hit the initial impact, your ball's coming off at such a quick speed, and all of a sudden it starts to get more and more affected by the wind. And with the downhill, it just keeps pushing and pushing. Conversely, you get to a hole, I can't remember, uh, Pearl Lagoon uh, par 3. Oftentimes that can be a 3-wood or 5-wood downhill. However, there are also times where you're hitting uphill at that. Mm-hmm. And 16, be- I think. Yeah, and because your ball is still coming towards its apex or its highest point in the shot, and then shortly thereafter landing on the green, it does, the wind doesn't have as much time to push your ball left to right. Yep. So I, I would think in the back of my mind that's something I, I try to tinker with a bit or... I play around with and try to be mentally cognizant that this is an uphill green. This may be a 12 crosswind, but it might only play like an 8 or 9 because the ball is not going to be in the air long enough to have the wind affect it that much. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So thank you very much to Mike C. and M. Chestnut for sending in the questions this week. We appreciate it. Thanks, you too. Uh, And please, uh, if you've got more questions like uh, like these two, then please send them in uh, via... 
You can uh, mail them, you can email them, you can direct message us. Anyway, we'll take questions, so uh, thanks for those guys. Yeah, you, you can uh, you can drop off your questions in person. We can jot them down when you're stopping by the Todd Pentecost Fertility Clinic here in yeah. Burnsville, Minnesota. Tony Johnson and I are here fairly often uh, here at the Banger Bunker, the Burnsville Station, the Fox Den, whatever you want to call it, uh, just a couple blocks. It's a short drive away from the Todd Pentecost Fertility Clinic, the TPFC, so... Come on up to Burnsville, Minnesota. Uh, you'll be skeeting out kids in no time. So, like we said, we're going to wrap it up here with, are you smarter than a fox? Are you smarter than Andy Fox? We mentioned Andy Fox, 4-1 and one on the season so far. Uh, coming in again this week, we're going to do the Sunday night game again, mm -hmm. and we're going to do the Monday night game. So all those folks who listen shortly after the release of the podcast, you're getting this inside information from A. Fox. Uh, A. Fox loves his... Uh, daily fantasy sites uh he he likes to uh definitely lay some cash on the line for some football games uh and he's kind enough to give us some of his insights and his takes and so far this year he's a proven winner so first game we have sunday night new england at detroit new england is currently giving six and a half points to the detroit lions the motor city kitties and the over under is sitting at a pretty high uh 54 and a half here that is a big number so, A. Fox, Andy Fox, his initial take. I'm going to take Detroit here getting six and a half points. I think the Patriots will struggle to contain the Detroit wide receivers. I expect a high-scoring game with a possible backdoor Lions cover. So, Andy Fox, he's going to take Detroit and the six and a half points at home. Interesting. So, uh, what Andy did not mention there is one of the talkers this week is you've got... Uh, Matt Patricia, who was the defensive coordinator for New England last year, is now the head coach of Detroit. So, does who does that benefit? Does Bill Belichick know what Matt Patricia is going to do because he used to be his head coach? Or does Matt Patricia know what Bill Belichick is going to do because he used to be his de defensive coordinator? I don't know that answer. I think it's interesting. Uh, I know that uh, nationally I don't know that there's a ton of... Uh, respect for the job that Matt Patricia has done so far or or potentially the, the job that he did at New Orleans at New Orleans New England uh, because they thought that uh, ultimately it was Bill Belichick's call and 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 Patricia was just kind of a, a placeholder at the defensive coordinator so it'll be interesting uh, if I was if I was gonna bet this I would uh, I would go opposite smarter than a fox so that uh, that would not have made me money so far this year going against Andy, but in this case, I think I would take New England. I think Bill Belichick is going to uh, take advantage of his knowledge of what the type of things that Matt Patricia likes to do, and I think he's going to want to run it up on him. Mm -hmm. That's my personal opinion. I, I, I'm going to agree with you, Tony. Uh, I'm going to go against Andy Fox as well. I think uh, Bill Belichick wants to be known as the best, that he breeds the best coaches who continue to go and on. And kicks their fucking yeah, ass. And just absolutely <laughs> decimates them. Um, I think the struggles, I think Bill Belichick is going to find a way, it seems like he always does for the most part, to exploit this. I'm going to take New England, giving the 6.5 as well. Next up, we have the Monday night game. Uh, another outlook for a potentially high-scoring affair. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, playing against Ryan Fitzpatrick slash Connor McGregor. Uh, this game right now, current Vegas line, has Pittsburgh giving one on the road to Tampa Bay, who's put out a uh, pretty uh, explosive offense so far. Yes. So Andy Fox says, talk about two teams I really don't know what to expect from. You and I had kind of talked about this might be another high-scoring game similar to the New England-Detroit game. And this game's actually coming out as a over-under at 54. I wonder, like, I, I'm, 
I'm sure someone tracks this, but those are two extremely high over-unders. I wonder what the last time, you know, your Monday night and your Sunday night game combined to be 108 and a half over-under. Uh, that's Those are two huge over-under numbers. Most of the time, just your average NFL game is going to come in kind of 45 to 48 yeah. in that range. Yeah, so what we have here is after a couple of national televised games that were uh, quite frankly kind of crappy games, low scoring, uh, not the most exciting. Um, we do have Cleveland Browns win on the board. Pretty I exciting. I enjoyed that game thoroughly. Yeah, I thought that, that was the best nationally televised yeah, game so far this year. Mo- most definitely. So I'm I'm excited that we're we're seeing some good powerhouse teams. Some teams that are typically in the playoffs this early in the year on uh, back to back national televis- televised nights here. Uh, so Andy Fox, talk about two teams that you don't really know what to expect. Sorry, I just repeated that. I just have a gut feeling on the Steelers here. The Fitz magic is going to come to an end here at home, and Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's offense will get back on track. I'll take the Steelers giving one. Okay. Uh, I would, much like Andy Fox, I don't know what to expect out of these two teams other than crappy defense. Yes. They've proven it. I don't know what their totals are the last two weeks, but these have to be... Uh, I, I bet they would have both gone over in both their games with the 54. Obviously, Pittsburgh did uh, last week with that shootout against uh, Kansas City. I, I would just my bet would be the over. Uh, the 54 is a huge number, but I just feel this feels like a 35-31 kind of game, back and forth, lots of offense. Uh, so I would bet the over in the in this game and, and stay away from the uh, team lines. Uh, I'm I'm actually going to take Tampa Bay getting the one here. I think uh, being at home. Uh, the crowd's going to be energized. Uh, Jameis Winston obviously struggled on and off. He presents a different dimension. But uh, with the numbers that the Buccaneers are putting up, I'm, I'm going to stay with him at home. Uh, playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, Pittsburgh obviously struggled against the Browns. Uh, a game, frankly, they probably should have lost. Yep. So I, I'm going to stick with Pittsburgh at home. Uh, home team getting a point, I'll take it. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's going to wrap up the Podmore Get Better podcast. Uh, obviously, we're on week three of the NFL season. But more exciting, we're on the eve of ship date right now, Tony Johnson. Oh, when we talk to y'all next week, new courses for everybody. Yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully Eric Nelson, Golden Tee fan, will have pictures loaded. Uh, if not, myself, Tony Johnson, we may send him the pictures. Uh, hell, he may give us the code to get onto his website and uh, upload ourselves. But once the pictures are up on Golden Tee Fan, you can follow along. I think we'll probably do a whole-by-whole breakdown. Yep. That's just so much easier as you guys have your earphones in or you guys have this plan you know, on your stereo at home. And if you're able to pull it up on your laptop or your smartphone and you're able to follow along, especially as you're getting out there looking at these courses, uh, it, it'll just be a, a really exciting thing for you guys because it's a really exciting time of year. Yep. Uh, so, uh, thanks for listening, and we will talk with all of you when you've got the new courses next week. Thanks, guys. One. Enjoy.